Hey everybody, it's me Amanda here with Once in a Wild and I have a special friend with us today, a special guest and you're gonna meet her in just a little bit and she'll tell you all about who she is and what she does here in just a little bit. Um, if you've never been here before, this is our weekly live stream that we broadcast each and every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are in San Antonio, Texas and we are Once in a Wild, which is a mobile zoo and animal outreach company. And that means we bring animals to classrooms, to all sorts of uh, different events and things like birthday parties, Etc. And we can also bring the zoo to you virtually through a Zoom room animal encounter if you would like. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's me, Amanda, with Once in a Wild. And who are you? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Inga Cotton, and I'm the founder and executive director of San Antonio Charter Moms. Ah, tell us more about that and yeah. what you do a little bit. So we are a nonprofit organization, and we are focused on San Antonio, but our goal is to provide families with information about education. So we want to be their trusted source for information about how to choose the right school for their kids, um, how to um, find enrichment activities, like you know, involving animals, fun stuff like that, right? <laughs> and, and how to be advocates for making education better in our community. Got you. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what Inga does as well and about SA Charter Moms and how you guys can get involved. But before we forget, I do want to mention all the things that I usually talk about at the beginning of our live stream, which is how you can help us out as well. Um, this broadcast that we bring to you guys is free of charge each and every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. But there are ways that you can help us out. We are a mobile zoo with over 75 animal ambassadors and growing. Um, so we do rely on your purchases of our animal encounters and your donations to us to keep going and to keep our animals taken care of and fed and uh, all their veterinary bills taken care of and all the bills paid, etc. Um, so there are a few ways that you can help us out specifically. And we'll talk about how people can help you guys out as well here in a little bit. Um, but a couple of ways are going to be Venmo, Cash App and PayPal. You can tip whatever amount you would like if you enjoy the program today or if you just want to give us a little gift that is much appreciated and every little bit helps, of course, the animals um, and it goes straight to animal care as well. And you can also go to onceinawild.com and go to the link that says donate. And there's a couple other ways you can also donate to like our Amazon wish list, which has really fun items that we've chosen for the animals that you can ship straight to our door. And that's a lot of uh, fun as well. So we have some fun presents you can buy for the animals, as well as booking your own animal encounter, of course, perfect for classrooms, perfect for birthday parties, back to school parties, we've had a couple of those and public events, maybe corporate events, or even offices, and even animal therapy and virtual zoom room. So the sky's the limit on what you can experience with our animals. We do have all sorts of animals like birds, mammals, reptiles, creepy crawlies, and even amphibians. So something for everybody and you get to customize your encounter. So please let me know if we can help you. Uh, some people are already chiming in. Ricardo, of course, is here. He's saying hi. As you can see, I can highlight your comments down below and your questions down below. Um, we will be meeting some animals here in a little bit, but if you have questions for me about the animals or what we do, or if you have questions for Inga, feel free to um, ask your questions down below. And we're also broadcasting on your Facebook as well because you live stream too, don't you, on Wednesdays. That's right, <laughs> that's right. So yeah, we, we do, we call them Charter Moms Chats. And uh, usually what we're doing is we're highlighting whatever blog post we're featuring today. So it's, mm. if it's, um, you know, right. So actually we published a guest post about once in a while today well, we're talking about um, <laughs> you know, how, how educational it is to have animals in the classroom. So there's lots of great information on our blog. It's sacharmoms.com. Okay. And um, <laughs> the thing that I would most like viewers to do is, is come visit us and follow us. So we're at sacharmoms.com. 
on um, Twitter, on Instagram, on we have a Facebook page that's Essay Charter Moms. And is. then we also have our discussion group on Facebook. So it's the San Antonio Charter Moms discussion group on Facebook. It is very lively. We're up to almost 8,000 members. Wow. And uh, I should mention dads are welcome. Grandmas <laughs> yeah. are welcome. Teenagers are welcome. Teachers are welcome. Superintendents are welcome. Um, and it's, it's a great place to crowdsource information. Um, people are asking all kinds of questions like, um, like, hey, do I need to teach my kid how to tie their shoes before kindergarten? <laughs> like, oh. you know, and it's very non-judgmental. It's a very welcoming place. So it's a safe space to ask, like, whatever, you know, parenting type educational questions you've got. That's excellent and good to know. I'm, I'm glad you told our audience that. I'm sure your audience needs to know and have a reminder as well. Um, so here is, oh, here we go. There's your, uh, well, I assume that's from your end <laughs> at SACHarterMoms.com, of course, right? Very, very good. Um, Ricardo saying hello. I'm just checking in with whoever's commenting down below so I don't forget. I like to do that periodically throughout the live stream. Aw, Laura says, hello, so excited to see some animals. Hey, Laura, nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And of course, if you guys have questions whatsoever about anything or you just want to give us some encouragement or say something nice, you can uh, go ahead and leave us a comment or a question down below. Always keep it family friendly, you guys. This is a family show. <laughs> oh, Christian's on. That is my brother-in-law. Hi, uh, Amanda, he says, little heart face emoji. So nice. Love the matching shirts. Thanks. <laughs> I heard, I heard that pure coincidence. Were the thing, I guess. <laughs> Typically, our uniform here at Once in a Wild, and today for SA Charter Month as well. Wonderful. Uh, so Ricardo is reminding me to ask you, how can we support SA Charter Moms? Yes. Okay. So we, we do have a link to donate, and it's at ah. sacharter.moms.com. So just look for the donate button. Um, the but the thing I think is most important to us is is eyeballs, just your your attention, because mm. it takes a whole team to make education better. So it's it's families individually making choices about the school that's the right fit for their kids. Mm. Um, but it's also like looking out for the community as a whole. So making sure that nobody in our community is left behind. We want every kid oh. to have an opportunity for a great education. So what made you want to start SA Charter Moms in the first place? <laughs> so partly it was as a mom and partly it was like sort of my context in the community and what I was seeing happening. Mm -hmm. So I have two kids. Um, they're, they're off in the other room. But so um, my son Nicholas is 14 and my daughter Annika is 11. And uh, my son is on the autism spectrum. And because, so having a kid with special needs, like all the special mm -hmm. needs parents know, it's just a little bit harder <laughs> to uh, yeah. use a new set of challenges. So finding a school that was right fit for him was really hard. And it made me think, you know, I bet there are other families that are also having a hard time with this, whether it's their child with special needs or they want something unique for their kids. They want sure. a school that fits their values. Um, they want high academic achievements. There's lots of different, like people ask me like, what is the best school in San Antonio? I'm like, I have no idea. That's gonna be, <laughs> that is a very like personalized yes. question. So, but we can present information because one thing that's changed is um, like when I, when I went to high school here in San Antonio, there were no charter schools. There was no, not even a law to allow mm. charter schools in Texas. So this Tell is Tell me what new. a charter school is, because I don't know what that is. Right, right. I'm okay. out of the loop, way so, out. <laughs> okay, so, so how it was when I was growing up was that there were uh, traditional public school districts, and okay. they each covered a certain geographic area, right. and they would charge property taxes to the people who own homes and businesses. Mm -hmm. Then um, depending on what street you lived on, they would say, you're gonna go to that elementary school, that middle school, that high school. There were a few magnet schools, like so you could go across town and study science. I'm or familiar healthcare. with that. Yeah, and then there were private schools, right? Like the Archdiocese of San Antonio. That's where I went. I went to private to school. <laughs> 1851 or so. I don't know. <laughs> Not that long ago. I right. didn't go to private school. <laughs> 
Yeah. So the idea with charter schools is to like, let's offer something different. Like let's give okay. these passionate teachers a chance to found a school so that they can express their vision awesome. and offer something unique. And that's like, what's super exciting about my job is I get to meet school founders. I get to tour yeah. schools. I get to find out like, oh, this school has a makerspace and they have a 3D printer and they have this, yeah, like, wow, yeah. Cool. or I go to this other school and it's like, I see five-year-olds with six inch knives. Okay. <laughs> Cool. All right. I'm good with this. Right. And just, or like, Oh, look at these seniors. And they're like securing this network against cyber attacks. Like, Oh, that's really interesting. So it's like, that's, there's wow. amazing stuff happening like all across town. And I bet and, and like charter schools are driving that innovation because they're letting the teachers do creative things. And they're bringing in students and families that are really jazzed about what that school offers. So, but then there's, there's certain things like basic facts that I had to learn, which is like, they're, they're free. They don't charge tuition. Oh, okay. They're funded by the state. They're not funded by necessarily a local district. It's funded mm. and they're authorized by the state. So there's a process where they have to kind of quality control, you know, prove <laughs> that they're see. meeting that standard. Um, they do have to take standardized tests like other public schools. So whereas private schools don't take standardized tests. Um, and then there's, it's trickier to get in because they only have a certain number of seats and so if they get more applications, then they have seats and they have to do a lottery. That was so, my next question. Is it limited? How do they, is it, is it usually less students than a charter school than it would be they, like a standard public school? They're usually pretty small campuses. Okay, they, that's kind of nice. It is, it is kind of mm -hmm. nice because like everybody everybody knows like everybody. Mm -hmm. Right, like I've, I've met principals who knew the name of every kid in the school. Yeah, that's like, how I grew um, up in private school because I went to Castle Hills um, right. K through 12. So I knew, I mean, we were like a family there. So I do understand that part of it, but I'm so out of the loop because that's what I'm used to. And from being out of school for so long, I don't know, <laughs> which I'm sure is how some of these moms feel. Right. You know, they're probably out of the loop and then they have children. They're like, I don't know what to do. What's the right decision for my, my child. So right. Like the world, the world changed. And yes. Yes. And like, well, people ask me like, well, when should I start thinking about this? And like, mm. it's really, it's like, as far as the application process, it's about a 12 month process from like, oh, researching the schools and like come up with your short list. And then find out what the mm. deadlines are, apply to those. So, so like October through February is kind of enrollment season, which is Got what you. we want yeah. you guys to help with, right? Which is, um, yeah, so pre-pandemic, we would have these, what we call school discovery days or school discovery nights. Mm -hmm. And we would find like a fun place like Trader's Village or Pika Pika Plaza or like a community room at a library. Got you, got and you. we'd invite like a dozen schools that have campuses in that part of town and they would set up tables. And what's great about that is like, if you're a parent and you're researching this for your kids, you can go to the school discovery day and talk to like, you know, five, 10 different schools and mm -hmm. like talk to the people you know, they, they might have some students, they might have like a robotics demonstration or yeah. you know, like pencils and school supplies. It's kind of like when you're applying for colleges and right. you go to one of those, I forget what they call them. It's a big yeah, convention college event, fairs. college yeah. fair, something right. like that. Exactly. Thank you. You get the vibe. And you know? can see like, do I want to go to a trade school? Do I want to go to Harvard? Do I want to go to Baylor? Like, where do I want to go? Or just like maybe community college, which is great for some people too. Uh, so that's, that's great to know. So yeah. when does that normally occur when those events what right. Normally so we, we we did the year before the pandemic started. We did a handful of them. We, we do maybe like okay. one or two a month. Um, and oh, okay. Yeah. And so it depends on the schools. It's it's tricky because like some schools do enrollment in like November December, and mm -hmm. some it's like True. September through February. Like it's why it's, can't they all be the same? <laughs> no. 
that would make it easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't um, even know when, when kids are off for summer anymore. I'm like, what is summer? I don't know. I don't know what planet I'm on anymore. Half the time, especially now. No, actually, a lot of, a lot of us are like, wait, what? what? Like, yeah. Wait, wait, I, when, when was spring break 2020? Cause like, when did that end? I don't know. <laughs> so how have you guys adapted since? you know, the big pandemic happened, right. et cetera. Or even like when it was first happening and it was kind of like, what are we doing? Is this serious? Do we know? Right. What are we, you know? Yeah. So what yeah. did you guys do? I, re I remember like, well, I guess like when, when Tom Hanks got sick and when oh, right. the mm -hmm. NBA started canceling games, like that, that's okay. when I was like, oh, this is real. This is real. And then like, mm -hmm. you know, kids came home from spring break, assuming that they would go back after spring break. Of and course. then they never really did. And, and it was just like buffering, buffering. Right. <laughs> and right. Yeah, right. yeah, that was weird. I mean, we had like lots of discussion and it was a year gotcha. when there was a lot of um, awareness about social justice too. So there was a lot oh, of discussion true, about that. True, like true. how do we have these conversations with our kids, right? True. How do we talk about safety how do we talk about public health right yeah. so yeah like our there's a lot of traffic in our group and we really worked hard to like help people feel safe and welcome that's and, good yeah um, so you guys have really served more purposes than you expected <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine just like us yeah. too and i mean yeah. we we opened up right before the pandemic like at all like our company was brand new and so we thought it, we were over <laughs> we thought okay um we tried nice. you know that's it and then and then we got the idea through a lot of us kind of thinking with all of our heads together in our family we thought what if we go online and that's what you guys kind of did too yeah, right so when did you yeah. start live streaming then so i, I kind of get people's attention and blogging do you are always do the blogs yeah okay okay yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the a world i'm not in at all i can write i'm a good writer but uh, blogging is very new to me and that's something we've just picked up since once in a while personally yeah. so yeah. tell so me the, about that the blog post started in 2012 although don't go look at the old ones <laughs> go look at them <laughs> no 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 it's it's but it's and it, it was a process of figuring out like like looking at like google analytics like what do people want to read right and ah. and so like some of the most popular posts are the ones where, so for example, Idea Public Schools, they have yes, like over I'm a dozen familiar. campuses in town. You see the billboards, you hear mm -hmm. them on the radio. Like, idea. Um, they so, have the little light bulb. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, lots of people, like, they'll see it, they'll Google it, they find our site, and then we've got in-depth, like, this is where the campuses are, this ah. is what school model is like, this is, this is how you apply, um, and then... Um, having the live stream. So like um, we're planning to interview like their executive director for the San Antonio region. She's mm -hmm. going to be, hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll be our guest in September when we feature ah. the update on their guide. And so, okay. um, you know, it's like, some people want to read the post and click on links and some people want to listen and get, get the vibe and like, wow. you know, or, or, you know, comment and ask questions and mm -hmm. um, have that interactive experience. And so the, and then what we do is we take the interview and we embed it in the blog post. So if you find the video, you can click through and see the blog post. If you find the blog post, you can sit back and watch the video or listen to it as a podcast and just Makes take sense. in information however it's like a bunch of options for people's different either learning styles or whatever you prefer to actually get involved that makes right. sense that's why right. we do what we do as well um some people learn by you know touching and feeling things some people learn by listening some people learn visually i mean it just kind of all depends so mm -hmm. we're very similar we're more similar <laughs> than people might imagine and we're of course based in education too and that's how we want to get involved with you guys and of course do the events but also um you know network with the schools because that's really what we would like to do most of the time is go into classrooms and teach kids and adults, the teachers, whoever, about these wonderful animals that we uh, are so passionate about. And that's why we opened up once in a while in the first place was to teach, uh, teach well, teach animals, but to teach people about animals that they may not be 
uh, super excited about at first, like snakes and spiders <laughs> and all sorts of things. So let's check in and see what people are. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's a bunch of cute animal Aww. emojis, a bird, a frog, a worm, a rabbit. I don't know, a worm. I mean, that's not really an animal we have. <laughs> uh, another bird, another rabbit, and a parrot. Oh, Ricky says she, he can't hear you very well. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm a little bit loud. You're just very soft-spoken. That's okay. Uh, what upcoming events do you have going on? Right. So in the in the very short run, we're doing virtual events. Um, we're okay. we're um, talking about um, so like over the summer, families got star report cards. If if your kids were in grade third grade and up, okay. And um, a star report card, like taking the test, is stressful, but you actually get useful information. So mm. if you if you look at the star report card, you can find out like okay, what kinds of questions did my kids miss in math. And then you can take oh. that information and go to your kid's next teacher. Like, don't wait for a parent-teacher conference. Like, do it sooner. Oh, okay. You know, talk to them and say, um, hey, how does my kid get extra help? Like, do you have, like, mm. some personalized learning that they can do? Is there math tutoring? Is it, Because, you know? like, um, it, w w the way it looks like from the data, the kids who were on campus were typically learning more than the kids who were doing remote learning. Because it was just it's hard to and do. that's yeah. right now it's hard to make that decision on you know what is the best decision for us should we stay home and be safer or should we you know give them the best setup to learn better so i imagine that's part of you know what the moms and dads and everybody wanting to know talks about on your on your facebook group oh, but yeah. also maybe you guys have advice or schools that are more, you know, more options or whatever. I'm right, sure you guys right. Do a lot. Well, like different schools have different, um, like mask policies. Like, do they okay. encourage? Yes, like, true. <laughs> like some some schools have had clinics um, to make sure all the teachers are vaccinated. Some encourage yeah. teachers to wear masks. Um, so virtual gotcha. learning is actually not going to be an option this fall. So oh. unless families, so they could choose for homeschooling or for. Um, there's no funding for virtual school for the coming know. school year yeah wow. <laughs> unless it's one of there was a small number of full-time online schools that existed before the pandemic i think they don't offer anything below third grade which is weird right weird. that is weird yeah there's a whole like history of like politics like why that happened huh, but it's, it's really weird so um there's so much to learn <laughs> oh, it's, it's fascinating but yeah so yeah it is a tough choice for families because yes. like okay like like my daughter is not old enough to get vaccinated right um but i what i learned last year was that like once the rest of us got vaccinated we allowed her to go back on campus and she mm -hmm. was so much happier she yeah. got to see her friends yeah. she was more engaged um, so really want her to be on campus. She, she is good about mask wearing. She's going to keep it on mm -hmm. during class. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, five-year-olds, I don't know, you know, that's, they're not, they're not yeah. good about it. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, but that's so yeah. interesting. I didn't even think about, um, you know, going into like next year and this year coming up, like yeah. what are even the options that people yeah. have? Maybe no, I, I think, I think that there is a, there was, a, there's been a shift towards homeschooling mm -hmm. that I don't think we'll ever it's never going to go back to what it was. I think oh, there are families who like did it out of necessity and they're yeah. like, Hmm. Yeah. Is, we can do this. this Wait is good. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I see what people like about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I understand. So resourceful. And yes. Like, I, yes. I did it for one year. I knew it was temporary. I, because mm -hmm. I was, there was a charter school that I really had my heart set on and oh, I, I was, and then they pushed back their opening date by a year. And then I was like, Oh, dang it. <laughs> and, then, and then like during that year, I told all my friends about it. And mm -hmm. then, my son got waitlisted. I was like, oh, I did too good a job telling people about it. And then, but fortunately, by June, he got an offer. And oh, he, got to, he got to start. I was like, okay, good. I, I would have felt really bad if 
<laughs> if you hadn't gone in because of my big mouth. But <laughs> Annika says, I wish I could be vaccinated. Yes. Aww. Soonish, soonish. Hang in there. Oh, uh, Christian thought it was a snake and not a worm, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So events, you, you mentioned that. Well, do you guys have any like, like regular scheduled event. I know this weird this year and last year have been weird, but normally yeah. do you guys have regular events that are kind of around the same time of year consistently? Yeah. I mean, so we're, we're, yeah, we're definitely, so I would say look for in October okay. to have mm -hmm. things related to enrollment season. Um, and so, in, mm -hmm. in, but in the meantime, it's going to be virtual events, either talking okay. about the star okay. or talking about how to do a school search. Cause there's, gotcha. you know, it's going to be families like, um, who have never thought about this before. Right, and, right. Yeah, and we, we have blog posts that explain, like, mm -hmm. you know, what the timeline is, how waiting lists work, mm -hmm. um, how lotteries work, all that kind of stuff. How do so, lotteries work? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so basically, like, like if, okay, so let's say a school has, like, you know, 100 seats for kindergartners, but 200 families apply for their kindergarten. Gotcha. Then, um, they, they don't do first come first serve. Um, what mm. they do is like they say on a certain date, they're going to look at all the applications that came in up to that point oh, and then they randomize it. So it, it used to be Gosh. like um, they'd use a bingo machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's computerized. But yeah, okay. it used to be it used to be the bingo machine and they'd take a number out and read it. Now it's like wow. they do it on a computer and then they send out an email and say, okay, log into the portal and then you find out like, do you get an offer or oh. do you get waitlisted? So what we, we advise families to like, uh, like don't do what I did, which is I applied to one school and my son got waitlisted. I was like, now what? But if you, I would have just kept homeschooling if that mm -hmm. hadn't worked out, mm -hmm. but um, apply to like three schools, maybe five schools, like have, like have your first choice, but have some backups. And then along the way, like get a bite. you, while you're researching that you might fall in love with one of the other schools. So absolutely. Yeah, That's, so it's just like college. So that, that makes <laughs> sense to me. I remember, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Just like everybody else that does, <laughs> Even if you don't go to college, what am I going to do with my life? It, it sounds very familiar. Like, do I move? Do I whatever? But I guess if you're if you're in San Antonio or wherever city, you don't you don't move. <laughs> so you right. have to you know kind of choose from what you're given. You know, as just your options. Yeah, so that's I guess one key thing about charter schools is that like okay, let's say you move to a different house, you don't have to leave your charter school. You can stay. Oh, that's so nice, and yeah. that's what I was used to too going to private school. So that reminds me of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and my mom taught at the same school, so I went there. I mean, from beginning to end until <laughs> I went to college. So very very yeah. interesting. Is it typically yeah. like? elementary and then middle and then uh, high school, just like other like public schools. Yeah. As yeah. far as the grade so levels. It, it depends. It's, so there are some charter schools go all the way from pre-K to 12th grade. Oh, do and they? Some, okay. There you some go. are like fifth through, you know, kinder through fifth mm -hmm. or through mm -hmm. eighth. And some are like fifth through 12th. Okay. So it, and that, that's why, so like we have a system on our site where it filters. So like if you, if you are, have a fifth grader, you can filter just for that because it can be confusing. Cause cool. like yeah. some, yeah, there's yeah. actually like one high school that goes down to fifth grade. So right. you, would, I'm you, sure. you would like skip over I'm sure there's it. weird exceptions yeah. for sure. Okay, yeah, that makes exactly. sense. So you can kind of, I'm sure it's totally different than what used to be when I was, when I was in school. Um, I was gonna ask you, what are some of the examples here in town or surrounding cities of the charter schools that you have worked with or that you know of or recommend? Right, right. Okay, so um, God, and there's, yeah, there's so many. So, okay. It's okay. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I guess I, I kind of break it down by like what types of schools. Okay, so sure. like, um, like the data show, like there's lots of jobs, good paying mm -hmm. jobs in STEM fields. So kids mm -hmm. are interested in computer science or math or engineering. Um, and so there's schools gotcha, that gotcha, specialize yes. in that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, right. So there's one called School of Science and Technology. They okay. have a handful of campuses. They're opening one in shirts. Um, there's a school called BASIS. 
okay. that sort of has a reputation as a STEM school because they teach a lot of advanced math and science, but mm -hmm. they actually have a liberal arts curriculum. Like they have orchestra, they have drama, oh, nice. and stuff like that. Very, very um, important. <laughs> yeah, and like so, but yeah, the STEM schools, and then it's interesting. So in some of the traditional public school districts have started kind of creating their own charter schools mm -hmm. within their district. So they're called in-district charter schools. And so SAISD, San Francisco has like a whole <laughs> bunch of these. And um, like they, and so they have um, STEM schools. Like, so Cast Tech is, that, that's where they teach cybersecurity and stuff. Kids are like locking oh. down networks in there. That's very um, needed yeah. <laughs> right now, especially. Yeah. So what is your background anyway? So this, this is really the first time that we've actually met in person. So yeah. I'm curious. Okay, so I um, I was born in California. We moved around oh, a lot growing up. I, okay. I thought I would either be a lawyer or a fashion designer. Um, which is kind <laughs> of right. and, and, but the reality is now I do like a little of both, I guess. Ah. Um, so because um, I, so I went to law school and then I realized I did not enjoy working at a law firm. But I, oh. I did enjoy like working in the judicial system, like ghostwriting. I would ghostwrite oh, opinions oh, for judges. Okay. I like persuasive writing. I love doing research. Uh -huh. um, I love history. That was my major in college. Okay. And um, and yeah. so like knowing how government works, like trying to make okay. a good argument. Um, and I, I, I le started learning about like how does public relations work, how does communications work, and, and like how to be an effective communicator. And then when I was burned out on being a lawyer, I went back to my alma mater, Trinity University, and I got a job as a staff member in the computer science department. And that's how I met my husband, who's a oh, okay. security Aww. expert. And uh, he was giving a guest lecture as an alumnus. And, um, but I met these like faculty who were, this is like in the early days of blogging and podcasting and stuff. And I was like, these are really amazing tools. And the entry barriers are very low. Like the cost to, to start with some of these tools oh, is very low. Sure, sure, and so sure. that, that kind of was planted in my mind. And then okay. I, I got married, I had kids and I was like, okay, uh, I'm trying to communicate about education. How do I how do I do this? So like I have friends on the philanthropy side that were helping new charter schools come, mm -hmm. like uh, like Great Hertz and Basis and okay. Idea. Like those, they were helping those schools to grow. Um, but the missing piece was the parent communication. And I was like, this looks like fun. I so think I could learn. <laughs> right, I can teach myself these tools like WordPress, and I can mm -hmm. learn to edit photos and things like that. And then. Um, that's and it became my passion and then by 2017 we got funding and formed a nonprofit, Yay. and then we have a team and it's it's a thing <laughs> amazing i'm so it's so neat to hear your story because you started way back in 2012 and then now a nonprofit, which is awesome yeah. so what, how does yeah. it feel to be a nonprofit now what's what's the what's the what are the differences between just kind of the birth of it and then <laughs> yeah I mean, out of curiosity i'm just so happy every day to get to work on stuff that I'm passionate about, oh, and I, and mm -hmm. I feel so lucky that like I I have resources to be able to, like I can buy Facebook ads and I can hire designers to make yes. a better website and oh, like excellent. it's not not just limited by like just what I can figure out and oh, that's awesome. yeah and and then to network with like people in other states and other cities like so there's oh, a, super cool there's yeah. an organization called National Parents Union that is like super powerful like they like they have these super active parents. Um, in like states all across the country, there's mm -hmm. delegates all over the place, and mm -hmm. they're full of ideas of like, you know, like whatever's going on in your state. You know, like how how do you make good trouble mm -hmm. and make things mm -hmm. better in your state? And then there's an organization called National School Choice Week, and in January they put on these yellow scars and they have rallies, and oh. it's to raise awareness because that's the like the key time in enrollment season. Like that's, and and so just making people aware that they have these choices. Exactly. You know. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. I feel like I could talk to you all night. <laughs> well, super cool. Well, have you ever um, worked with animal outreach uh, companies in the past? Have you ever had 
uh, animals come to classrooms for your kids or anything at all? Okay, yes. Okay, so um, <laughs> what is your experience mine, there? Or going to the zoo or doing tours or anything? Yeah, so we've had a zoo membership for a good long time. Oh, there and you then, go. Uh, okay, so San Antonio Zoo, yeah. When my son was in second grade, it was his first year as a charter school student, and the last book they read in, for literature was Charlotte's Web. Oh, very good. And so we had an end of year party about Charlotte's Web. What grade was he at that point? Second grade. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So my suggestion was, um, I, was like, I was like, hey, I have this friend. He works at <laughs> Edwards Aqua Authority and his hobby, he keeps cockroaches and this, that, and spiders. And so I remember like my son's second grade teacher had this like tarantula and he was like, <laughs> so sure enough, we brought, they had like live wow. tarantulas like to represent Charlotte, you know. Of course, yeah. yeah I mean, as you do, right? Yeah, of and course. It's well, become good. a tradition, even though I don't have a second grader anymore. Right. I've seen mm -hmm. subsequent Charlotte's Web parties with actual wow. spiders so yeah. and you guys are animal fans you've been to the zoo and things like that so what is your kind of experience with some of the some of the animals that like i mean like creepy crawlies snakes things like that yeah. do you have much experience at all no i haven't not so much or when people ask me about animals i say uh, i'm a plant person oh okay <laughs> but <laughs> i'm not, but it's not, it's not that I, and it's not that i'm like scared, scared of animals like i really appreciate animals and like we, we do like one of the things our family did during the pandemic was um to get out of the house safely is we would use our state park pass and go to lots of places. Very and good. Very we started good. using this lots app of to distancing like find, and everything. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like <laughs> but still see, getting out, which is so important. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if we see something like a butterfly or a centipede or like a harvestman spider, we try to like get the app out and figure out like, Oh, super cool. Can we get some badges? You can ID them. And right. uh, of course, you know, respect them and everything else. Right. I'm sure you guys are. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're going to see some animals. I just wanted to make sure we uh, got through Inga's part two. Great work, Inga. Uh, Ricky is saying congratulations. That is so nice. So yeah, let's go ahead and meet some animals. And thank you for teaching me all about what you guys do. It's super fascinating. It's, it's definitely out of my bubble of understanding. So I'm learning too. But it would be nice to, I mean, to refer people over to you guys because we do a lot with teachers and we do a lot, a lot with moms and grandmas and dads. Um, so I know that's a, a very big need for them to make sure they get the best education. And that's kind of why we opened up in the first place too, is to be something different. Um, to open people's eyes up in different ways about what we care about and encourage everybody to respect animals that we love. And of course, my background is in zoology. And I, I used to be a veterinary technician and before that a horse trainer. I mean, I've done all the things. And eventually, we ended up opening up our own company. And so now we bring animals to classrooms, we bring animals to events, um, animal therapy, if, uh, if you want animal therapy, we can do that we, we work with sensory um, uh, children and things or adults too. Um, it's for all ages, which which is super cool but of course we're going to focus today on kind of classroom type stuff so please feel free to ask me all the questions you would like to know about the animals we're going to meet uh oh what is your favorite animal is this well we can both answer what is your favorite animal oh you know I, you have a favorite? At, least, at, least at zoos okay so like um at the houston zoo they have gorillas and chimpanzees mm -hmm. and i love watching the behavior and like as a as a young kid like growing up in san diego they have orangutans oh, yeah. <laughs> at the San Diego Zoo, mm -hmm. which is an amazing zoo. And the I Waco Zoo has orangutans really? as well. It's actually a really nice habitat. Mm -hmm. oh, they have uh, large apes out. over there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It gets, and like thinking about like, you know, human evolution, right? Yes. Their common ancestors yes. with the great apes and just their behavior. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm grateful that the zoos are protecting them because yes. I know in the wild, it's very hazardous for 
lots of animals, honestly, but yeah. great apes um, are mostly because their habitats are going away. Just like any yeah. larger animal, they need large habitats. And if right. the forest is gone, they can't live. And also they're hunted and everything else, as yeah. you probably know. So that's that's a very good thing to bring up is, um, you know, I, I've worked in several zoos and aquariums. And a lot of times zoos and aquariums get a bad reputation, but they're actually doing a lot of the saving of the animals, <laughs> especially yeah. in the wild. They're funding, um, you know, conservation. They're funding um, saving the habitats and making sure they're protected by, you know, either um, uh, you know, the, the barriers that need to be there in the, in the wild or the people that need to actually, you know, defend the animals. Yeah. So a lot of that needs money. And that's why when you go to a zoo, you're paying for a ticket. <laughs> so all those things kind of play into that. But let's go ahead and meet um, one of our animals. It's not a gorilla. <laughs> it's actually an amphibian. No. Um, so here once in a while, if you're new to us and you're watching from SA Charter Moms today, um, we do have all sorts of animals and we have over 75 animal ambassadors and over 100 animals that actually live right here with us. We are home based and live in our home and our animals do too. And you're going to see them tonight. Yay. Uh, sorry, you guys can't come on the tour with us. Maybe next time. <laughs> uh, but we have mostly animals that can travel. We have animals that can basically ride with us in our vehicle and go to classrooms and very easily be brought indoors. Um, so we don't have gorillas, we don't have giraffes, we don't have elephants, things like that. But in the future, we would like to have some sort of property where people can come on, not just you guys, but <laughs> other people can take tours and do um, maybe some, uh, you know, private uh, events and things like that at our facility. And maybe we won't have those animals travel. They'll just be with us. But for now, we have smaller animals and you're about to meet one of our amphibians. Oh. And I'm going to bring her into view in just a second once I get situated. Her name is Frances, and she is actually a frog. And you guys out there that are familiar with Once in a Wild, you've seen Frances before. I'm going to make sure she's in focus really quick, and we'll be out of focus a little bit. But this is Frances the frog, and she's an African bullfrog. And, of course, they come from Africa. And you won't see them in the United States, but we have bullfrogs here in the U.S. as well that are a little bit similar, but they're kind of a different shape. So you'll notice that she's quite a round shape. And this species of frog gets very large. So one thing that makes them unusual as a frog goes is their size male to female. Most of the time, females are big and males are smaller in most frogs and most amphibians, but they're the opposite. So the males are quite large and they can get the size of a volleyball. They are huge um, and they weigh a few pounds and uh, the females actually stay smaller. Now she's a girl, we think, because of her size and her age. So by now she's around three or four. She should be a lot bigger than this if she were a boy. Um, but since we think she's a girl, she also makes um, uh, noises that sound like a girl's noises because bullfrogs sound like bullfrog, kind of like a burping noise, right? Um, but that's only the boys. Boys use that um, vocalization to attract females. And the females just kind of have like a cute little noise and they barely make any noise at all. So she hasn't really made too much noise as an individual. And I have heard her making little peeps. So I think, oh, right on cue. We have our, another animal ready to come on that's making peeps too. Um, but they do sound totally different. So to my best guess, she is a girl. So Frances, I mean, that can go either way. So she had that name from the beginning when we got her as a girl. Um, but she is an African bullfrog. These guys can get the size of a volleyball when male, but when female, they're, they're smaller than that. So they're about half that size, but she'll still be a pretty large frog when she grows up all the way. Uh, right now, she's kind of a teenager sized frog. <laughs> and these guys are really neat. They are, of course, amphibians. They are slimy 
And I don't recommend you guys um, out there watching to pick up frogs because we can actually harm frogs with our oil on our skin. If you didn't know it, humans are kind of dirty. <laughs> and we have oils just like any primate, gorillas, uh, chimpanzees, monkeys, we're all primates. And we have oil on our skin. And a lot of animals are oily. Most mammals are like, like anything that. Anything with hair. Anything with oil. hair and even feathers too. Some animals are, are feathered and oily too. Um, so the amphibians have a slime coat on their body, which is very, very sensitive to toxins, to anything in their environment, uh, even disease, <laughs> which is fun, right? Uh, they're an indicator species. They can tell us whenever the earth is actually becoming uh, ill. So they're one of those animals we have to watch out and make sure that they're healthy. And they're kind of like, you've heard of a canary in a coal mine. It's the same kind of deal. So um, back in the old days when the coal miners would go underground, they would take a little bird, either a sparrow, canary, something like that in a little cage, which is terrible. <laughs> but that would tell them um, as an alarm if there were um, toxins coming up from the earth. So amphibians are kind of like that naturally. So if anything happens to our planet, they're some of the first ones to experience uh, that change. They're also very, very sensitive to climate change as well. So anything warming the earth or cooling the planet, like we had our, our crazy winter time last time, right? Um, so that definitely affects them very, very um, poorly as well. Um, but they're, they're really important to just kind of leave alone in your own environment. They help us out a lot. Do you know how they help us? Eat, bugs. eat lots of bugs so mosquitoes flies roaches all those insects have their place in nature but too many can make us ill too and we need to make sure and have a healthy planet from now on so leaving frogs alone even if you love them don't pick them up uh, we don't want to harm them on accident with our oil our lotions our hand sanitizers soaps um, on our skin I have rinsed my hands ahead of time that's how I'm able to hold her uh, safely and also their slime can make you sick so things like salmonella and fun things that we can get if we forget to wash our hands and go eat a snack or something. So kids, don't pick them up. Just admire from a distance and let them do their job. You won't see this species in your own backyard unless you live in Africa, which you might. Hello. <laughs> um, but here in the United States, we have other bullfrogs and other frogs. How old is she? She is around three or four years old and they can live into their 30s. So she has a long way to go. We love her. So we certainly hope so. Um, these guys are carnivores as adults, but of course, when they're babies, they're underwater and they're an egg and, a, and then a tadpole when they hatch out. And the tadpoles actually do eat vegetables too. So they'll eat like algaes and other vegetation um, that gives them more options to hurry up and grow up so they can get big and strong and a little more safe um, before they grow up into a frog. But once they become an adult, most frogs are carnivores and they eat anything they want. As long as it's small enough to fit into their mouth. <laughs> Let me know if you guys have any other questions. Do you have any questions about Francis so far? Well, I keep thinking about like um, like children's literature and like children's oh, yeah. books. And like, um, so one of my favorite books that I read <laughs> with my kids growing up was uh, when they were little was Frog and Toad. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, I'm not familiar with that. So, so it's that a series about? of books. Like, so Frog and Toad are friends. And they, um, of course they, and they wear like little jackets and pants and stuff. Oh, they, super cute. Yeah. So actually one of my favorite Twitter <laughs> accounts to follow, it's like it's, it spits out like random quotes from Frog and Toad because they're, mm -hmm. they're really good buddies. So like they make cookies for each other. They plant a garden together. They go on an adventure. Very accurate. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're really good friends. Yeah, but they, um, so cute. But, but yeah, Frog, frog does look a lot like. Francis. Like Francis. Yeah. Um, so frogs and toads are, it, it's debatable on what's a true frog and what's a true toad because technically toads are more dry. They have more bumps, things like that. Usually a desert type species, but there are a few toads, quote unquote toads that are named toads that are actually frogs. So it's super ah, confusing. Um, they're almost the same thing. And of course they're in the same family of the frog family and more um, down the line, the amphibians. Mm -hmm. Amphibians are, are animals like frogs, toads, newts, salamanders, axolotls, all those guys are amphibians. And amphibians start their life um, in the water as an egg. 
mom lays the eggs and dad fertilizes the eggs and it's all external, which is so interesting, uh, just like a fish, most fish. And um, in this species, they actually do guard the eggs and take care of them and guard the babies too, but it's dad that does that. So Frances, yeah. as a girl, we think, right, she wouldn't do anything. She would just lay the eggs and say goodbye, eggs. <laughs> and dad would actually establish a territory and guard his babies and very instinctive about protecting them. Um, even if their water dries up, because usually it's going to be like in a puddle pond, something small in the in the savannas of Africa where they live in. Um, they're going to basically hibernate or um, actually estivate during the dry season. And they pop out of the ground. They're going to seek any, any body of water will do. Because it's only um, maybe like a month that they're going to spend that time anyway with their baby. So they'll find like a puddle or something like that. But if the water dries up and it's not enough rain that season, dad will start digging. He'll dig down, he'll dig across to make sure water comes into um, where his babies are because they need the water to grow up. They need the water to survive. He was a super good dad. Uh, Frances, not so much. <laughs> She's a girl, but we're not planning on breeding her anyway. <laughs> um, but that is such a neat fact about them as they're great single dads. Just like you dads out there that are looking for schools for your youngins. <laughs> you can check out SA Charter Moms, even though it's SA Charter Moms and not dads. That is okay. I'm going to back up and refocus on us really quick. Sorry for the blocking. <laughs> so you guys can see us again. Um, like I said, she's around three or four. What do we feed her? So since she's a carnivore, she can eat all sorts of different other animals than her, right? Um, she would eat things like, at this age, she would eat things like large worms, like super worms, and maybe large crickets, maybe large roaches. But this species can also eat rodents. They can eat snakes. They can eat other frogs. They're not really usually friendly with toads and frogs, <laughs> like in the book so <laughs> not real life um they actually are solitary most of the time unless they're taking care of their babies or it's breeding time um so if they see another frog that's small enough that's also dinner <laughs> they're very opportunistic because in the wild they never know when their next meal is going to come around and they do estivate or hibernate it's kind of like a hibernation for the dry season um so they have to gain a lot of weight to survive the dry season because that's the only uh seasons they worry about in africa is the dry season and the wet season. Wet season, they're out and enjoying life and eating all the things, but dry season, they have to survive, right? Y'all see her? That's the only challenge with having a smaller animal is we get to be out of focus. And <laughs> <laughs> Any questions from you, Inga? I mean, well, I'm thinking about amphibians and like, yeah. um, you know, in, in Texas, we have a lot of um, like, well, water is a big issue and yes. keeping waters and springs flowing because there are amphibians that live in the springs. That and, is true. Um, yeah, so. I mean, so, I mean, so she's from Africa, but yeah, right. amphibians are really important for the ecosystem yes. in Texas. And, and, and it's, it's an indicator because like if we're keeping our springs healthy, mm -hmm. the amphibians, you know, keep doing their thing. But if, right. if we don't allow enough water to come out through those springs, then um, it's a sign that we're not taking care of our waterways. That is correct. And fish too. Fish will show us that as well. But amphibians are the first ones to kind of show signs of stress or anything at all like that, I think. Oh, here we go. Um, Laura says, my eight-year-old son, Chase, is watching online and would like to know, did you find the animals or did you buy the animals? So every animal, I don't mean to keep blocking you. I'm just fixing the focus point. Um, every animal here at Once in a Wild in our uh, animal collection, our animal ambassadors, has their own story. Uh, Frances, we actually did purchase from a reputable breeder, and she was only like this big when we got her, about the size of her head. <laughs> and uh, in the three or four years that we've had her, she's gotten this big and will little by little get bigger and bigger. Um, she was purchased by a, or from a breeder, rather, not 
by a breeder, from a breeder. Um, but we do also rescue animals as well, but we absolutely do not take animals out of the wild unless they are um, rehabbed animals or animals that are uh, legally deemed non-releasable or something like that. We're not going out and collecting animals in Africa and bringing them all the way back to Texas. That's too much work, um, but it's also not ethical as well. That's a really good question. Um, a lot of our um, animals are sourced from rescue situations. So uh, animals that have been found roaming lost um, and had to be placed for one reason or another. Um, animals that uh, maybe somebody didn't want anymore for some reason, that happens quite a bit, especially with reptiles and exotic animals because some people have an idea of how an animal is going to be as a pet. And then maybe that animal got bigger than they expected. Maybe they're gonna live too long or you know, live too long, live for their taste <laughs> to take care of for the rest of their life. So there's a lot of different stories, but Frances was actually um, purchased by us as a tiny baby and we got to raise her up from uh, a baby frog. Um, technically a frog, so not a tadpole or anything like that, but she was already uh, a frog, but she was only this big. <laughs> and then from there they grow bigger. You mentioned um, that, you know, like sometimes like people like they take on having a pet or taking yeah. care of an animal and then realize like, oh, this is maybe more than we committed. Too. Yes. And um, so we actually have a couple of posts on our site related to oh. caring for animals. Uh, one is um, there, one of our one of my friends is, uh, is great about fostering dogs, okay. and so she explained like why it's a great activity as a family because yes. like you're fostering, so it's not as much true. Mm -hmm. um, and, but you're providing a really important service because you're keeping mm -hmm. these animals out of shelters where yes. they might not make it out of the exactly shelter. exactly and so and one thing she's done is like she helped to foster um military working Ooh. dogs who um you know went on to you know do important work for mm -hmm. national security um but she helped them when they were puppies and got them comfortable with humans and things nice. like that and then another post um uh, Amy Johnson, who's one of our consultants, like she wrote a post about um, volunteer opportunities. So oh, like, there's good. animal shelters that need, um, and they they always, at least pre-COVID, I don't know what the current yes, status true, is. Yes, true, true. That um, is very true. You, know, you can but, you can check. <laughs> yeah, but they like they need <clears throat> helpers, and um, often like you know you don't have to be 18. You can even oh, okay. like you know teenagers can can help. And That's really good to about know. Animals, but not maybe have the full commitment of yes taking care of an animal. Yeah, because I know a lot of people during the pandemic and good and bad, some people wanted to just get an animal to keep them company, which sometimes works out just fine and sometimes it doesn't. So I know a lot of animals ended up homeless during the pandemic because I don't think it met everybody's expectations of what it would be to like have a puppy at home. And then they didn't think about, oh, what, what happens when the pandemic over and I go back to work and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, that's, there's definitely so many um, things to think about when you take in any animal. So fostering is a good idea um, to kind of get a feel of what it's like to have a puppy or a dog or a kitten or whatever they're fostering, bunny, who mm -hmm. knows? Um, but yes, we deal with all, you know, of course, exotic animals, but we always encourage you guys, if you're getting an animal of any kind, domestic, exotic, whatever it is, um, do your research, always do your research, make sure you have a good idea. You can never have a full idea until you're in it, but have a good idea of what to expect. And not everybody wants a frog. <laughs> not everybody can take care of a frog, but also there's animals like tortoises, iguanas, other lizards. There's so many that we have taken in tarantulas um, that people didn't necessarily want to have anymore. So that's a great question. So we didn't just like go grab animals out of the wild. We always want to keep animals wild when we can. Um, they belong there for a reason, right? But I'm glad you asked that. Is the male or female bigger? I think we answered that already, but I don't mind talking about that again. So the females are smaller because they literally lay the eggs and leave. Um, but that is very, very unusual for frog species. Most of the time females, <laughs> Oh my us. goodness. Yes. Sometimes she's just so wiggly. So this type of um, frog in general, and most frogs don't really like to be held, but she's pretty comfortable being held for a frog, but we'll give her a break in just a minute. 
Uh, but uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, that females are small. Yes, they, usually they eggs and red. <laughs> yes, usually, well, for this species they do, but usually um, in frogs in general, they grow bigger, that way they can have so many eggs. Because most amphibians have a lot of eggs, and that's for insurance purposes, in case something happens to them in the wild, they get eaten by all sorts of other animals, they're prey. Um, and most frogs are prey to something. You know, they're predators, but also prey to so they're kind of in the middle of the food chain. Most predators have predators also. There's very few animals that don't have any predators. Um, but when they're babies, especially. So most frogs will have like hundreds of babies. So having a nice hefty weight on a female is usually ideal to lay lots of eggs. And as you can see, she's not a skinny frog, even though she is a female. Um, but the females in this species are smaller because the male does all the protecting. So they just grow really big, really strong. They even have very sharp teeth that they can defend their brood with. <laughs> and what do we feed her? I forgot to answer. Um, so worms, crickets, roaches, mice, all sorts of things Francis eats. So pretty cool. Well, I think Francis is ready to go, but you're welcome to ask me some more questions if you have them. What do you think your kids would wanna know about Francis? Hmm. Frances is very popular. She's probably one of our most popular amphibians. We also have axolotls here at once in a while. That's one of my favorite animals. But Frances is a little bit easier to bring to programs than axolotls because axolotls live in water, but I have done that. Uh, so we just have to set them up ahead of time and put them in a uh, kind of a display, like a mini display for classrooms and things. But all these animals that I'm showing you today and many, many more, so many more can come to classroom visits um, and teach your kids about uh, amphibians and all sorts of other animals. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the splash zone over here, and it's not what you think. <laughs> so that is another actual um, good point to bring up for frogs. Is sometimes relieving themselves is going to be a bit of a defense mechanism for wild frogs. Um, and then if that happens to be the frog that you're holding and they relieve themselves on you, first of all, gross. <laughs> Don't put yourself in that situation. Um, but secondly, that um, takes away their weapon. So that is kind of their defense mechanism, their weapon. I'm gonna wash my hands while I'm talking. Uh, but, uh, and then for the next real predator, like who knows what, maybe maybe a cat or a dog picks them up. Uh, they don't have that defense mechanism the next time, as long as it's like the same day. So you're taking away their defense. So that's not good either. And also their slime. Their slime can also be a defense too. Um, as you can see, I'm using hand sanitizer, but not till after I put Frances down because I don't want to hurt her, right? But I do want to make sure and stay clean for the next animal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Remember, that was when, when I was talking to you. Um, <laughs> oh, so like, like I'm, I'm picturing, you know, like we're going to have these school discovery day events, yes. right? And um, I know, so you guys like logistically, like, um, like, I was yes. like oh, do we have to have this outdoors? But, um, mm -mm. but, but y'all have like, a, like, like, like mats and things as ways to yes yes to yes. have it so, indoors but it stays clean of course yeah that's a great question so most most classrooms um i mean i've been to hard floor classrooms too and they don't usually mind or gymnasiums and things like that a stage most of the time it's super easy to clean up if something happens <laughs> um but it's rare that anything does happen and i do have of course like a little like you said a little mat that i can roll out or we have like like all sorts of methods that we can keep you guys clean. And we always clean up after ourselves too. So it's not a problem typically. I've never had a complaint about that. Um, but that's a great question. A lot of people assume, oh, zoo animals, that means we have to be outside. We can be outside if you want, uh, but we can be inside if you want. <laughs> and right. it's hot here in Texas most of the time. It's hot, sometimes it's cold. So indoors is a little better in my opinion for teaching kids um, that are of course in in-person school. We also do virtual school as well. 
I don't know if that's going to be happening very much more this year, but yeah. they could broadcast into the into the classroom, and then mm -hmm. the kids just watch mm -hmm. it from the classroom. Yeah, and then there's like there's homeschools, and then also that's like true. micro schools. So like micro schools Ooh, kind of a that? new term. It's where like a group of families come together. Like well, a, another term for it is pandemic pod, right? So like if let's say a group of like families are like, okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna expand our quarantine to include this many families. Oh, cool! And then we'll all get together in somebody's living room and you know, one parent teaches math and then the next day we're going to go to this other house and they teach history That's and nice. this and that. And that way it's like your kids have some friends and like, mm -hmm. so like, you know, for kids who couldn't get vaccinated and like, right. you know, it's like if you would just open your pandemic pod just a little bit bigger, then your kids can have some socialization yeah. and then, yeah, <laughs> yes. but like micro schools existed before the pandemic and, mm. and I think they will continue. I think micro schools and homeschools are going to be bigger in the future than they were okay. before the pandemic because it's Fair one of those enough. like shifts that the pandemic sped up like mm -hmm. remote work right like yeah, yeah yeah they have their pandemic puppies and now they work from home and get to have their pandemic so puppy true. on their lap while they're working so yeah we're, got, we're all going to be adapting and i know it's never it, it's going to be fine uh but it just makes me curious like we never know what's going to happen in the future uh, we're always going to adapt just like we have both adapted in our companies right um but i i you know the 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 teaching the kids uh, about the, you know, maybe it could be a science class or it could just be a general elementary class. A lot of times people have hired us too just for field trips. So they just want something, you know, fun for the kids to do for either a virtual or in-person field trip, if you will, because field trips weren't really much of a thing these last couple of years either, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, and, and I think that we are actually a little bit more affordable than a field trip um, because we come to them. We don't have to worry about traveling. Um, it's a little safer. Cost. Yeah, transportation, all of that and signing waivers. And if, if the kids don't want to be involved with touching the animals with, with our presentations, they don't have to touch the animals. So there's no really waiver involved. It's actually pretty simple. So that's a great question, though, about indoors versus outdoors. Um, a lot of people in general, when they call us, they're like, can you even go indoors? Like, what if what if it rains? You know, things like that. So we're very, very flexible. So there's no worries there. We, we, we will help you out. So we have uh, our next animal. Feel free to. Oh, here we go. This is the triplets from Florida and their cousin from Maryland. Nice to see you guys. I'm sure um, I didn't recognize Sam at all. Hello, Sam. That must be the cousin. Question mark. <laughs> okay, so shout out to Florida, which is an excellent state for school choice. Oh, very good. I it didn't know that. <laughs> even better than Texas because you can even go to private schools on school choice in Florida. Super so, cool. I actually yeah. went to college in Florida. <laughs> so let's meet another, um, well, a kind of misunderstood critter, if you will. Um, she is really cool. And again, I'm going to have to put her like kind of close to the camera. Mm. So this little girl slash big girl. Her name is Blondie. I'm going to get her situated in my hands first before we, because it's kind of an awkward angle to hold her up to the camera. But this is Blondie. You guys know Blondie that I've seen our show before. For those of you that are new, I'm going to get her. Usually she sits perfectly still, but you know, she's going to make me work today. Whoa, Blondie. She's going to hang out she's onto she's our keyboard. Like the cat on the keyboard thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cat on the keyboard. <laughs> So they're hairy like a cat. And don't worry, you guys, it's a very like kind of short little tumble that she took just now. She's okay. Um, so this is Blondie. She's an Arizona blonde tarantula. I put my hand back here so you can kind of see her a little bit better. Um, this is a species found, of course, in the United States, mostly in Arizona, but you can also see them in surrounding states uh, adjacent to Arizona. And they're mostly found in a desert. Um, so a little bit opposite of a savanna <laughs> that we just saw with the 
bullfrog from Africa. These guys are typically a drier climate. They don't need it, need to wait till the wet season to come out and they don't really need to brumate or hibernate at all. Um, they're typically gonna be found on the ground and even underground, kind of like in a little cave situation like this, maybe even more room underground. And this species of tarantula, they don't have to eat every day. In fact, they don't have to eat every month. They can go six months without eating very easily, and they can go a full year with, uh, without eating with no consequences. Uh, it's not necessarily ideal for them, but that makes a lot of sense when they live in a desert habitat, when there's a lot less resources, water, they don't even need water, they don't have to drink water, um, and a lot less food because of that, um, and a very warm climate. However, they can also um, handle cooler weather as well because deserts tend to get cooler at night, and a lot of people aren't aware of that if you've never been in a desert. Um, and this species is actually primarily nocturnal, like most tarantulas are. So that means they come out at night, right? So the desert heat is very, very warm, and these guys are sensitive to temperature change, so they typically will hide away, and if they come out at all, it's going to be at night. But we have all sorts of tarantulas and, of course, spiders um, all over the U.S. and all over the world. In fact, there's tarantulas all over the planet except for Antarctica. So you'll see spiders and tarantulas all over the place, and they do get a very bad reputation for being scary, for being dangerous, but they're actually very important, just like the frogs. Um, I think more people enjoy and like frogs more than spiders. Um, a lot of people have arachnophobia or maybe like not real arachnophobia. They're just a little bit leery about spiders. Um, but spiders, um, for the most part, are harmless to humans. Now, she does have venom. Um, most spiders do. Not every species does. But uh, tarantulas have venom. But their venom is designed to turn their food into a drink so they can actually consume it. Uh, they don't have any teeth, <laughs> so they can't chew their food at all. But they do have fangs, which are kind of like teeth, but they're more like a needle. And there's two of them. And they will um, bite into like a cricket or a roach, similar diet to Francis, actually. Um, but once they catch it and pierce them with their fangs, then they put venom in their food and then they turn their food into a drink and they can drink their food with a straw mouth, which is called a proboscis, kind of like a fly's mouth. Um, and that is why they have venom at all. It's not really for defense, although some spiders do bite for defense because that's one way to stay safe from your enemies, right? But most um, tarantulas would rather run away, hide, be passive, not have anything to do with you whatsoever, um, or they sometimes will throw their hairs. They have um, hair all over their body, which is for a lot of things, including feeling vibrations. Um, they also use it to protect their bodies, of course, just like our hair protects our head and body. <laughs> and also they do, um, can they can rub their abdomen and actually throw hairs into the air and that will potentially go into the eyes of predators and maybe give them something to scratch and the spider can get away. But all of those things typically happen first, hiding, running away, hair, <laughs> uh, defense, uh, before a bite occurs. So they're really not a dangerous animal at all. In fact, they're really beneficial. They eat a lot of flies, roaches, mosquitoes, those kind of bugs that make us sick and they're super cool. And no tarantula can actually kill a person. There's no deadly tarantula on the planet. Uh, tarantulas may have stronger venom than other tarantulas, some more than others. Um, and it might be painful like a wasp, but you're gonna be okay. <laughs> so that being said, I'm holding her, but I don't recommend you guys holding her just like the frog situation. We don't wanna pick them up in the wild unless you're an entomologist or somebody <laughs> studying them, right? We're not talking to you guys, uh, but the average person should just leave them alone and they'll leave you alone. And like all arachnids, which are tarantulas and scorpions and maybe ticks and some other animals, um, they have eight walking legs. Whoa, just trying to situate her so you can see. They have eight walking legs. Hmm, there we go. And 
They have two arm-like appendages in the front, which are shorter, and those are called pedipalps, the little short arms in the front there. So eight walking legs and two arms called pedipalps, and they have those two fangs that I was talking about, and you can see her fangs underneath here, if I situate her this way. Those two black um, kind of shiny pieces right there are her two fangs. Typically, they're going to be um, underneath her head like this and out of the way while she walks around. And if they need to use them, they swing forward just like a viper's fangs or any other venomous snake. Um, and they will be able to um, use them to pierce their prey, like I said before, and give venom to their food. And that's how they do that. But um, they also have two body parts like any other arachnid, right? Instead of three like an insect, she's got two center body parts, the cephalothorax, which is head and body combined, and the abdomen, which is her hind end there. And this species of tarantula has eight eyes. You would think they could see really well, but they can't. <laughs> so those little eight eyes are mainly for um, kind of sensing a little bit of movement, shadows, things like that. But their sense of touch is far better and more sensitive than their sense of vision. That makes sense for nighttime. Yes, it does make sense for nighttime, especially where they live, which is going to be like underground and kind of like hidden away. So and they also make webs. So just like other oh. spiders like Charlotte, <laughs> it doesn't look like Charlotte's web. It's not like a pretty like design in the corner, like <laughs> some pig or whatever. Or what was the other thing she wrote? Uh, oh, I should know this. It was a really big word. But anyway, it'll come to me later. But um, Charlotte's web was kind of like the, the classic spider web you think of, like like in the corner, like all pretty. And they so make them every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really intricate. Um, they kind of make them every day and things like that. A tarantula's web is very different. It looks more like Halloween cobweb decorations, <laughs> but kind of messy looking, but it serves a purpose of creating like a nice soft uh, bed or carpet for them to lay on. And it can also function as um, almost like a doorbell. So they would feel instead of hear animals at their front door or back door or wherever, something that um, crawls in, it could be a bug to eat or it could be an enemy to avoid. So that helps them with all their hairs and everything to be able to feel vibration. So they're gonna live underground regardless of nighttime, daytime, it's gonna be dark in there. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, what does she like to eat? Or what, no, that was the, that was the frog. <laughs> well, they, oh. they eat similar things. Let's see, the question about mosquitoes, that's a new question. That's Let me see. Oh, here we go. Can she eat mosquitoes? Because I hate mosquitoes. <laughs> I don't blame you. They're not my favorite animal either. Uh, roaches are my least favorite animal. Uh, not necessarily uh, some of the roaches, but the wild ones here in Texas, they're really scary to me. <laughs> and also carry diseases sometimes, right? Um, so she would eat more larger bugs and insects and maybe even other arachnids too sometimes. Um, maybe even like small mice and things like that as a large spider like this. But as a spider in general, she used to be small. So she could probably eat flies and mosquitoes a little bit more easily. And of course, there are other spiders and other tarantulas that are smaller than this that eat flies and mosquitoes more readily. So it just kind of depends. But when these guys eat, they tend to eat big. So they'll eat like a big roach, a big cricket, something like that. And she likes crickets the best as an individual. That's just kind of her picky ways. <laughs> but as a species, they can eat all kinds of stuff. So bats eat a lot of mosquitoes, right? Huh? Bats. Bats do eat a lot of mosquitoes. That's one of the best ways to um, uh, get rid of mosquitoes in your backyard. This is a natural way is to actually put up a bat box. Oh, do you know cool. anything about that? I think I've seen them. Like they're they're surprisingly narrow. Like, yes, the bats fit in these little tiny. The bats spaces. are like this big. They're like yeah. super tiny, um, and they're about this size actually. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so they're specifically like bat boxes you can purchase or build. I prefer to just buy them if I'm gonna make something. I'm gonna buy it like already pre-made. Uh, that way it's the right one, right? 
Um, but you can actually hang them up against the side of your house or against a tree. And usually bats will come in and have somewhere to live. And then at night, you won't even know they're there. Like they'll just be out eating mosquitoes all night for you. That's really important. A lot of animals do eat mosquitoes. I had somebody tell me the other day that mosquitoes have no purpose. Not really true. Uh, they are eaten by a ton of animals. So they are a food source. But other than that, ugh, not my favorite. <laughs> you are the cousin. Okay, good to know, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> it's nice to have you on here. We have the triplets on here all the time. Let me see. Oh, mosquitoes. How long do they live? That's good. I think that was actually about... Um, the spider, the other question. So I'll refer to that one in just a second, or I'll go back to that one. Um, how long do they live? So this type of tarantula can live into their thirties as well, <laughs> just like Francis the frog. However, that's only the girls. So girl tarantulas live a lot longer than boy tarantulas and typically are bigger, but not super noticeably bigger to the untrained eye. Um, they do get kind of heftier looking and live longer by default. Um, but the boy tarantulas, you know how long they live? for most species across the board. Like a year? That's a good guess. It's a little bit longer than that. It's okay. usually anywhere from one to five. Wow. So they only make it to five. These guys, if they're girls, they can make it to 30. And of course they do have uh, the babies, right? The females have the babies, the males just do their part and then they leave. <laughs> um, but typically if you see tarantulas wandering around, especially here in, in the United States, they're the males. The males will have a shorter life expectancy. They grow faster, become adults faster, but they're looking to breed a lot more often. And the females just hang out in their burrows and wait for their man to come to the front door. <laughs> and uh, hopefully she's uh, in the mood. Otherwise she can actually source him as a meal. Mm. Fun to be a male tarantula, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, risky, right? They have to take that that risk in order to actually procreate fun. Um, but a lot of times people will see them wandering and skittering around and they're scared of them, but they don't really mean any harm. They're literally looking for love. <laughs> not not to harm you at all. So pretty cool. And uh, that's only the females, like I said, that live that long. And that's uh, all tarantulas. Some tarantulas live less than 30 or more than 30. Um, but typically the females live a long time and the males do not. How many babies do they have? Good question, a lot. <laughs> uh, so depending on the tarantula, they can have anywhere, I think the range is anywhere from 100 to 1,000, depending on um, you know the species and the fertility and all that. Um, and they have very tiny little eggs that they put in a, a egg purse or egg sac with their web. That's another function of their web is to hold their eggs. And then what does she like to eat? I think I answered that already. Uh, roaches and crickets are her main favorites, but crickets seem to be her very favorites. Um, and Blondie, I actually got as an adult. She wasn't really a rescue. She was more like, like, here, can you take her kind of situation? And that was fine. Uh, I said, yes, long time ago. I've had her for around five years. And, um, but we got her as an adult, so we don't know her age or anything like that. But uh, I was told that she really liked roaches, but for us, she didn't really care for them. So I guess she's set in her ways with the crickets. <laughs> do you breed the roaches and crickets or do you order them like... I don't breed them yet. I would love to do that in the future, but I haven't ever done it before. So I don't know how to set all that up. Personally, I could probably research and do it all because I do know a lot of people, but I would love for somebody to come help me and uh, to be able to raise all of those myself because it'd be a lot more cost effective. Yeah. So that's another thing we have to buy um, and, you know, find because yeah. uh, during the pandemic which was interesting that I didn't really expect was a lot of the feeder insects and a lot of the feeder rodents and things that we do purchase for our animals to be able to feed them um that actually was hard to find during the pandemic and I don't know I don't I don't really know why I think it, a lot of those businesses went out of business and things like that so I think there was just less less sources for pet stores and everything else to actually yeah. uh, find but that was a great question we should be doing that <laughs> Well, I, cool. I've known, um, people, you know, some uh, aquarium keepers, that, yes. you know, like if you have 
carnivorous if you have fish that eat other fish mm -hmm. right, that are top of the food chain sometimes they'll like breed um, goldfish or yeah you know, totally easy to breed fish and then use them for feeding and on the one hand it's like you're or rodents you know. right, or breed mice mm -hmm. it's like well you're it's like but that's how I nature know. works so yes i mean yeah. uh and it's not for everybody a lot of people think that they want a certain exotic animal and they realize what they eat i have so many people tell me they want a bearded dragon or they want a leopard gecko or some kind of lizard and they're like oh my gosh they eat roaches and crickets never mind and they don't they don't want to deal with it and it's not for everybody but a lot of people do um bounce right into getting those animals without researching and then they they're they're in a in a bad way because they're in that situation they don't understand or a snake snakes have to eat rodents and things like that and you have to feed them that they don't eat salad yeah. <laughs> for fruits that, and vegetables right i think that makes like the, the classroom encounters yes. really productive or like having like a party oh, or an yeah. event you know because it's like you can see how it feels to be you know this close to a spider and that's just, true you know that's to true. kind of try it out for size and like and you know help appreciate you know why these animals are so special and why they need to be in the wild too because they, yes. they all fill a niche in a role in, yes in the ecosystem they sure do. And we want to make sure and teach kids and adults too, because let's be real, it's for adults as well, um, to respect animals in the wild and not to be like, oh, I'm afraid of it, so I'm going to harm it. So, right. but it's not about you. It's about the, the entire planet, right? And how it functions as a whole. So these guys need to be out in the environment to be able to, uh, you know, have that balance in their little ecosystem. They're a top mm -hmm. predator. They're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're the big bad wolf and they're in their uh, own ecosystem underground in the desert where they live for this specific species mm -hmm. um, and terrifying to some animals. Right. But they also uh, fill a niche of being food for other animals too. So um, there's so many examples of this, but a lot of animals that were almost hunted to extinction or hunted to extinction, um, it actually messed up the whole balance of things like alligators. I don't know if you're familiar no. with um, alligators were almost hunted to extinction way back in the, the old days when we were colonizing and everything because they thought oh they're super dangerous to us humans so we need to just wipe them all out but they're one of the the biggest um animals that actually change their environment uh, -huh. uh so because the they in the wetlands everywhere yeah. they were in especially down in florida and everything um they were an endangered species at one point and now they're obviously thriving again um and they're protected still for a good reason but that's just one small example but almost any animal will definitely change their ecosystem if taken out of the environment so cool. I get to see, there was a, I saw an alligator in the wild. Uh, we were oh, down so at cool. Kansas and we went to a, oh. a bird watching spot. And then like, there was a, like a platform, like a pavilion with shade where you could like hang out and there were binoculars and you could see like mm -hmm. different, different birds. And then like as, um, underneath the walkway between the pavilion and the shore, there was like a, about a, like eight foot long alligator wow. just in the water, just chilling. Yeah, and they usually yeah. don't harm humans ever. It's super rare. A lot of people think that they're like, you know, after you. And that's just not the case with most animals. Most animals really right. aren't after us. Uh, they're scared of us more than we're scared of them most of the time. Or they're just like, no, thank you. <laughs> Let's just leave them alone. Um, but um, alligators also, now that you mentioned that, typically birds will roost and nest over alligator infested or alligator oh, yeah. uh you know habitats where there's lots of alligators because other predators won't raid their nests as easily uh, like raccoons and other animals that climb because they're not going to go through <laughs> where the alligators are into the trees that's something i learned from living in florida and visiting other places too so that's something that people didn't even think of it's like alligators protecting birds which are technically their prey if they end up in the water but birds actually seek out those those alligator areas isn't that cool 
Blondie, you're beautiful. So that was Blondie, the Arizona blonde tarantula. I guess we'll move on quickly to our last animal. Um, and if you guys have other questions about Blondie or anybody at all, please let me know. Um, again, we have all sorts of different animals here at Once in a While, something for everybody. And typically when we visit a classroom, um, we do bring a variety, unless there's a specific request of, hey, we're studying uh, just amphibians or we're studying um, you know, X, Y, Z, it could be uh, an ecosystem out there. It could be a continent that some uh, classrooms are studying right now. Or you know. <laughs> spider. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or if it's, maybe it's just um, invertebrates that they want to learn about. But usually I will bring a little bit of everything for the general classrooms that are just like, oh, you pick whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, typically I will bring some sort of invertebrate in the mix too. But we also have birds as well. And our last animal happens to be a bird. And he will be out here um, with us the entire time as we're finishing up as well. So feel free if you need to interject or say anything that you would like to say. I don't want to take up everything. <laughs> Come on, Sunny. Oh, you went the wrong way. Come here. He <laughs> took a detour. This is Sunny the cockatiel. He is a Lutino cockatiel, which is the yellow variety. I'm going to turn this light down because he's just way too. He looks white in these lights white in the lights, um, but he is a special coloration of cockatiel only seen in human care. Do you want your treat or not? Yes, I do. Here it is. And uh, Sonny's only seven and a half to eight months old. <laughs> he is just a baby and still learning, as you saw. I kind of did a little mistake there, but that's okay. He did well and came back to us. And these guys are found in Australia. They're native to Australia. They're in the parrot family. They're technically a parakeet. And um, they're related to cockatoos, more specifically, as this species goes. And cockatoos and cockatiels are both from Australia. And they both have, like, the crest of feathers on top of their head, which can raise and lower to uh, basically express themselves. So it's kind of like our eyebrows. Uh, if our eyebrows go up, we might be, like, surprised or really excited. If our eyebrows are like, hmm, we're just relaxed, or if we're like this, we were angry. Uh, but, they, they, you know, to them, it means all sorts of things. Right now it's down. He's not angry. He's just eating. <laughs> but that is basically the main function of the crest on a cockatoo or cockatiel like this. Make sure he's in focus as well. There we go. And Sunny, like I said, is around seven months old, more or less. And um, at six months old is when he was pretty much full grown. That's typically um, the length of time that birds take to grow up because birds need to grow up quickly in order to not be prey. Um, he still is prey. This is definitely a prey animal, not a carnivore like the other two we met. And uh, they would eat things like seeds. He's eating his favorite treats, which are millet seeds, kind of similar to a grass seed that they would eat in the wild. Um, and they also eat other vegetation too, but they're herbivores. And their main way to stay safe is by flying away <laughs> or by living in great big groups called flocks, right? So this type of bird is super social. Most birds are, and most birds are a prey to some sort of animal and some birds are predators too, right? Um, but most birds are social in some capacity and some less than others. But this type of bird especially is very social. Um, they will actually find a mate and stay together their whole life, which is super cute. And mom and dad will raise the babies together as well. Um, they typically can have anywhere from two to maybe five babies, maybe a little more each time they have eggs. Um, that's actually quite big for a, or a big number for a parrot. Most parrots have up to three, um, but smaller parrots tend to have more because again, insurance <laughs> in case they become food for other animals so their species can keep going. Um, but mom and dad will raise the babies. They'll sit on the eggs together when they have them. We'll take turns. And uh, do you know what uh, they feed their babies when they're growing up? When babies mm. hatch out, they can't eat solid food yet. So mom and dad have to feed them. And uh, it's something really special. <laughs> be glad you're not a parrot. Because <laughs> of course they're, they're birds and not mammals. So it's not gonna be milk. 
but right. it's actually their puke. <laughs> They're going to vomit. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> so um, most parrots, in fact, all parrots, uh, will actually feed their babies that way. So it's not going to be like some other birds where they feed them like solids like worms or bugs because they're not eating worms or bugs. They're eating seeds and vegetation. But when they're babies, they can't crunch up those things. So mom and dad will actually use their puke to feed them. <laughs> uh, and then that only lasts a few months, thank goodness. <laughs> and then they can start to eat solid food. But they're really good parents, parrots, parents, parents. <laughs> and uh, very smart birds, like most parrots. And a lot of birds are very smart, now that I think about it. But parrots especially are super intelligent, very social. They can mimic other animals. Um, they can mimic each other and learn um, uh, actually their own kind of language within their family group as well. They have different noises that, um, like if you take cockatiels from this region or cockatiels from another region, they say different things to each other, which is so fascinating, just like humans, different languages. And uh, they're pretty noisy. So having a bird in your life is quite a challenge with the noise, the mess, as you're seeing right here. Um, he's spilling seeds all over the place. And they do use the restroom about every five to 10 minutes, <laughs> which of course is to make them nice and lightweight so they can fly away. So birds, just like that, uh, birds that fly, they're very lightweight. Can you turn around? Can you turn around? Thank you. Um, they're very lightweight. Uh, we're gonna switch hands. There we go. Um, to be able to fly away quickly. That's extremely important. So every chance they get, chance they get, they're going to be using the restroom in order to lighten up. And they don't really even have a bladder anyway to store all that water weight. So it just comes out. <laughs> so watch out, Inga. <laughs> You're in the splash zone again. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what I mean, what does their natural habitat look like? Do they live in forests? So they're going to live all over the place in Australia. These okay. guys are, are variable. Um, they're kind of just like a super common bird that you would see out there. Uh, they're gray and white with an orange and yellow face. Um, so the face is the same color, but the rest of the body and the wild would be mostly gray with white wings, bright white in the front of their wings. Um, but yes, they live all over the place. You can see them in cities, you can see them in savannas, uh, forests, all over the place. As long as there's somewhere for them to perch up in a tree, they're happy. And they'll come down to the ground and eat grass seeds as well. He looks so light colored on the screen, but he's actually yellow <laughs> behind the scenes as you're seeing. And they're amazing birds, very common seen in the pet tree, but I don't recommend them for pets for everybody. They're a lot of maintenance and they're very social and intelligent. So my advice is always to do a ton of research on bird care. There's a lot to learn. We even have a video all about that on our YouTube if you wanna check it out. If you're not following us, make sure and follow us on YouTube so you can actually, or subscribe I should say, so you can uh, watch that video and learn if you're interested in bird care. We also have a bunny care video as well that we did, but a lot of people uh, think they know what to expect and they think it's gonna be just like they see on Instagram with the bird being their best friend and everything else. And it really takes a lot of work. It's like having a child <laughs> and they can live into their late twenties. So it's a big commitment as well. Yeah. Just like the other two we met. <laughs> Pretty cool. But they are wonderful birds. I'm not saying that they're they're bad. They're just not a good pet for everybody. Um. What do you guys have to say? Oh, nothing new yet, but please let me know. Uh, like I said, these guys live almost as long as the other animals that we met, but uh, care for them is getting better and better all the time. Food for them is getting better, better all the time. So who knows, they may live up to 30 years as well, <laughs> uh, pretty soon. Most animals in the wild though, don't live as long as they do in human care. Cause of course we can take care of them with veterinary care. We can give them the right diet. We can make sure they're sheltered and have everything they need. And they don't have predators in our care, right? <laughs> so when you when you take birds to interact with children, what kinds of questions do they have? Or like how do they want to <sighs> like do they want to like what do they want to do with the birds? 
So a lot of times um, they will, I can have uh, Sunny sit in somebody's hand and I think they're, they just don't know what to expect until it happens to them. And a lot of times um, people aren't expecting his nails and things like that. He does uh, not have sharp nails, but for the little ones, sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, what do his nails feel like? And um, since he's not a bird of prey, he doesn't have sharp nails, but he's got something. So a lot of times that's surprising. Um, I found that with kids uh, that are younger, a lot of times experiencing the animal in person, they they just kind of, um, just something they didn't expect. They didn't expect some of the sights and smells and, and touches and things like that. When we go into a classroom, we don't necessarily have people touch a lot of the animals. Some of them, yes, um, but it's just, uh, it's more of a time crunch. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're going yeah. around and having, uh, you know, depending on how many students, if you have a small group, yes, we will definitely give you more touching opportunities. The three that we met today, more or less typically are not going to be a touching animal but sometimes sunny will um sit in somebody's hand it just depends on how he's feeling as well um but for bird questions that's a great question um a lot of times people will ask how big do they get what do they eat is it a boy or a girl etc does it talk <laughs> um we do have one of our cockatiels um evie who does talk a lot a lot for a cockatiel but most of the time cockatiels are whistling and, and making a little bit of mimicking sound but they are in the parrot family so they definitely can mimic a little bit and uh, another way we can tell they're in the parrot family is by their beak. Their beak is curved and pointed downwards and made for eating seeds and nuts. Um, and their toes are actually special. They have two toes in the front and two toes in the back, oh. which makes them different than other birds that have three in the front and one in the back. Um, most birds are like that, the other, the other way. And that's called zygodactyl. So two in the front and two in the back. That gives him a stronger grip overall um, if there's some strong wind or something like that. But the main reason why parrots have zygodactyl toes placement and not anisodactyl, which is a three in one, um, is to be able to climb. They can climb trees Aww. and uh, their cage or whatever you have them on um, with their beak and their toes together. You've probably seen them climb mm -hmm. up stuff, uh, vines if they're a tropical parrot, things like that. That's also, you know, and um, I think like one of the, you know, big like aha moments that kids have in science class mm -hmm. is learning about evolution and how yeah. like, you look <laughs> at the structures of animals and what they're in their diet, like the right, the beak yes. is shaped, like depending on what a bird eats, they're gonna have a different shaped feet, right? And depending on, you mentioned that like, um, you know, birds that are predators have different types of claws than yes. birds that climb and, yeah. Exactly. Like, and there's so, I mean, birds are so much variety too in their feathers and everything else. Feathers are very unique to birds, right? So a lot of times um, I'll try to stump the kids with questions Because we don't too. have dinosaurs anymore. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and these, these are dinosaurs now. <laughs> and now we, we, you know, we think the dinosaurs had feathers too. We're pretty sure they did. So that's pretty amazing too. But as far as the animals that are alive today, feathers only exist on birds. And not every bird has uh, the ability to fly, but every bird has feathers and every bird also has scales. Did you know that? Oh, is that on their legs? On their feet. That is right. Their legs and feet are covered in scales, just like a reptile. Hmm. Mm, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So you're right. You go back to kind of the origin of species and things like that. Um, what color are the eggs? It's not very exciting. They're just white <laughs> and they're super tiny. So these guys do have uh, quite a few babies. Like I said before, anywhere from like two to maybe seven would probably be like the top amount as far as I know. Uh, little budgies have a lot of eggs too. They can have up to 10 is pretty cool but their eggs are just white i know other um birds like cassowaries and emus have like really pretty colored eggs and those are really big birds that don't fly mm -hmm. but they have feathers and penguins of course have feathers and don't fly either they swim instead so that's that's what makes a bird a bird i'm trying to think of other questions but you, i i know i can't yeah. think of any more well i'm thinking about like, like <laughs> you know like on, well one of the things you asked me earlier was about like like how did we adapt 
during the pandemic. And yes. part of it was that we we would ask, um, oh, like so, like instead of having the in-person events, right, which we're looking on bringing back, but um, we would talk to like the schools and the nonprofits that we work with, and we mm-hmm. would say, okay, what what's something that you do with your students, and how can we present that on our website and do a video, and then it's something that you can learn about at home. And, you know, I think yeah. that what you do with these Once in a Wild Wednesdays, it's a great way for kids to learn about animals, you know, even if they're at home or, yes, or absolutely. anywhere in the world. And so, like, like we would talk to schools and say, like, okay, like, we heard you have a really great art teacher. And maybe they have a lesson plan where they would teach about, like, the graffiti artist Basquiat. And, and then they would adapt that. You know, they already have the lesson plan. They can adapt that to a blog post. And so we have that on our site. And then it also... It serves to as like an ambassador for the school because if yes, somebody comes across the website, they're researching maybe art projects that they can do at home with their kids. Um, then they they're like doing the art project and then being like, well, who wrote this? Who? Oh, it's an art teacher at Democracy Prep. What's Democracy Prep? Like, oh, well, it's this charter school. It's on the east side, you know, like um, one thing leads to another. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly, right. And 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 part Local. of it is it's this. Um, I think what's so great about like these videos, like. Like to me, like you're a charter mom or a charter dad or a charter grandma. If you are taking charge of making of this path for your kids' education, so you know whether it's choosing the neighborhood that you want to buy a house in or rent in, you know whether you choose a charter school or a private school or your homeschool or what kind of enrichment activities you do, mm-hmm. you know what kind of like memberships or events you go to, you know whether like you know if you want to if you're having a party and you choose to have animals come to the party because you want the kids to do something really memorable and fun and Absolutely. learn about animals along the way like so that's i feel like we're we're providing information so that families can like have more like they can set their own destiny and not not just sort of wait for things to happen it's like um and i, I think the pandemic was kind of a wake up call like oh yeah that you know like if 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 you're kind of stuck at home you know you have to figure out how to tap into all the resources that are out there, how to reach out, how to network. Um, and there's so many possibilities. It can be overwhelming. But, you know, we try to, like, you know, sort of curate and recommend. That's um, so great. That we think are good. I think I would be totally path. lost without you guys. <laughs> and, I mean, how how cool is that that you guys can, like, really, I mean, you're really helping a lot of people. And, you know, we hope to help people, too, by, you know, even just brightening up their day, you know, yeah. Wednesday or whatever day that you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we can't wait to collaborate with you guys. Is there anything else you want to tell everybody out there um, to be looking out for, things coming up? Yeah. You know, we're, we, we're excited to be partnering with you guys as well. So we, we have mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of posts coming up about how different schools and districts that we respect, how they're handling back to school. And so mm. sometimes it's about like, how do you give families more flexibility? Maybe when, you know, the state says it has to be done a certain way, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but right. Like, families want to be able to choose their school and they want to be able to choose how their kids learn. Um, yes, I bet. Yeah. And then also like, how, how do we try to keep things as normal as we can while still making things safe? Because, um, I know as a parent, like, you know, my kids still need social interaction. They still need to talk to their friends. And um, my kids are they're getting bigger. Like, I have a tween and a teen. And they want... They're and he's tall. What oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way. That's true. Yeah, yeah. My son is like 6'2". Yes, so growing. tall. Yeah, he's, he's a big kid. And he's hungry. They both kids. I'm just oh, my cook gosh. Like, you guys need to Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, we're having these conversations about, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's But it's hard... Like, and I've heard this from other families, like, like, you know, like when no one could travel, like, how do you do college tours? Like, or how do you introduce your kids to what different careers would be like if everyone's working remote and like all the offices are locked down? Like, how, how do you do that? So we just have to get 
created. Like we've gone on campus walks, like on you know weekend mornings, like before the students woke up, just mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so we oh, could like yeah. at least see the campus without um, freaking anybody out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we There's don't so have the plane. It's okay. There's yeah. so many things to consider that we took for granted before. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you're right. It is kind of like a big wake up call and you know, us opening up before the pandemic versus now. I mean, we really had to adapt and you guys have adapted too. Everybody everybody that's still around has had to adapt. Yeah. So it's sure. a big it's a big um it's a big deal, honestly. Yeah. And uh we're we're I'm struggling proud of for us. it. Because like well, yes. think about like all this like live streaming skills that you've I know. And this, and this, like, First I was like, do what? Material. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's so many videos that you guys can watch from both of us as a charter moms and once in a wild. And that's also a resource too, you know. Yeah. So we're we're happy yeah. to be that way and we're happy to give you guys that for free, honestly. And are you guys is it is it all free as well? You're yeah. you're yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we get we get grants from foundations that Got want you. to support high quality education. And so like, we kind of work alongside the schools that they're also funding because you know, this like when a school opens up, like they want to let the community know that they exist and what's yes. special about them. And so we we help with that. Very, very good. Well, you guys need to go check out SA Charter Moms if you haven't already. Uh, if you guys are from SA Charter Moms, make sure and follow us here once in a while. We're gonna be we're gonna be friends for a while, I'm sure. Oh, there goes Sunny. He's like, bye. He's done. No. <laughs> so Sunny's trained to to uh, fly from hand to hand, so he thinks that I keep asking him to do that, but. I didn't ask you to do that. Oh, got it. <laughs> um, but you guys go and follow them if you haven't already. Um, this video will be uploaded. Up I can't talk. I'm done. <laughs> this video will be uploaded to your YouTube as well. So right. we're going to give her the copy. I know it's not there yet. Um, this video will be remaining on our YouTube as well. If you want to watch it again and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to their YouTube as well and check them out. What is the best way to get involved? Like kind of in a nutshell, people just want to, is it the website? Do um, they go to the so website first? Like if, you, if you're on Facebook, the Facebook um, discussion group. So San Antonio okay. Charter Moms discussion group on Facebook is like super active. And that's what like, we post like when we have events coming up, um, okay, that's a great perfect. way to find out. And um, Very good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we, and we do have an email newsletter too. It, it was, it went a little oh, okay. dormant over the summer, but we'll, we'll bring mm. that back. And that's also a good way to like, don't miss the events. Got you. Yeah. Well, excellent. I know there was a lot of information tonight for both of our, um, our sets of viewers. So I appreciate you guys' patience and thank you so much for being here. If you want to support what we do, you know, the drill, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Amazon wishlist, or book your own animal encounter, whether it be virtual or in person, we would love to see some of you moms and teachers, um, booking your classroom or just for fun field trip style or really anything at all events um, with our animals we do have a website once in a wild.com but if you want the full animal list contact me at my number which is listed down below right next to the website there and we'd love to hear from you very soon is there anything else you would like to say we've gone on and on <laughs> i knew we would <laughs> no, no i think these animals are great and oh thank a, you. It's a, you know, it's a great learning opportunity so i encourage it. yeah all the charter moms like um yeah look up once in a wild and and see if they can come to your event or come to your school. Like if you're a PTA mom and uh, you have an idea for a school event, um, this is a great way to suggest it to your school leaders. Awesome. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. Okay. We're going to go ahead and close with our, um, our theme song as always. And uh, Inga gets to see it for the first time. So we hope to see you guys next uh, week. What is your time again for your oh, live stream? Ours, ours are at usually at 4 p.m. And the days vary. So, but if you follow our page or join our group, you'll get advanced notice. Got you. Very good. We'll just follow them and you'll get all the information there. Very good. And we're always um, once in a while Wednesday, of course, Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. And we'll see you guys next time. We are not